Amen. How many of you ever heard of Tim Tebow? None of you? Oh, okay. Tim Tebow was a quarterback uh, for the uh, University of Florida Gators, and um, Darlene's a big fan of the Gators. I'm a Seminole fan, Florida State. Go figure. The Florida-Florida State game is always a competitive thing in our house, and we win. No matter who wins, we win. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, this morning, I, I, uh, I went over to the pastor's kids, and I said, I only have one request. And said, what's that? And I said, <laughs> with a little concerned look on their face, I said, uh, my request is that if I say something funny, you you at least pretend to laugh. <laughs> there you go. You did it. Awesome. Well, um, I want to speak on a subject that is very, very, very difficult to speak on. And um, its uh, title of it is A Broken and Contrite Heart. A Broken and and contrite heart. Um, scripture talks about God delights, delights. He finds joy and lights up when somebody enters into a broken and contrite heart. And we have probably one of the greatest examples of broken and contriteness in the scriptures with David, King David. Uh, probably still recognized as the greatest king that ever lived on the earth. And, and he did some things that were wrong. Anybody here ever done anything wrong? Just four of you. The rest of you are righteous altogether. But, but I, I have to say, all of us make mistakes, some bigger than others. Uh, my mistakes before I came to Christ were washed away by the blood of Jesus. I, I get to talk about it because I know who I am now and who I was then. I'm not the same person. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. But some of you don't know this, but I used to rob banks. The old man. The new man has never robbed a bank. Isn't that cool? But a broken and contrite heart is a delight to the Lord. I want to read a quote by Elizabeth Elliot. Does anybody know who Elizabeth Elliot is? Elizabeth Elliot and her husband and five other missionaries with their wives went to South America, and they were trying to reach out to an unreached uh, group of people um, who were way back in the back country and... They flew their plane in, and they landed on the river, and there's a movie about it. It's called The Point of the Spear, uh, and all five of those husbands were killed, were martyred for Christ, and the other five wives had to make a decision. Are we going to stay and try to reach this people's group, and they stayed, and they eventually reached that people's group. And the one who drove a spear through her husband's heart came to know Jesus out of brokenness, realizing what he had done 
uh, had murdered somebody that was really just trying to help them. And it's a, one of the most powerful stories you could ever read uh, or get that video and watch it. We've watched it two or three times. Uh, it, it's amazing. But I want to quote something that Elizabeth Elliot said. And in, if my life is broken when given to Jesus, it may be because pieces will feed a multitude when a single loaf would only feed a little boy. I don't know if you heard that or not, but if my life is broken, you see, I believe God wants to bring us to brokenness. You say, well, I thought God wanted to exalt us and lift us up. Yeah, he'll do that too, but he'll lift you up to be broken. He'll put you in a position to be broken. Um, I'm going to tell two quick stories this morning, uh, and this is the one I told the kids they had to laugh on. And uh, you, you'll, you'll get a kick out of this one. Uh, I was first uh, in the ministry. My first outside the church where I was associate pastor, I got invited to come hold a two-night um, series of meetings. It ended up lasting two weeks. And uh, we started off with about 100 people. By the end of the two weeks, we were running close to 800 a night. God show, showed up. It wasn't me. I thought it was me, but it wasn't me. It was the Lord. And, and lives were changed. People uh, came to the Lord. It was in Plant City, Florida. And one night, I was up preaching, and I'm telling you, I had the people eating out of my hands. You know what I mean by that? It was, it was right on the money. It was the anointing of the Lord was there. Uh, I was preaching back and forth. I had on a lavalier microphone around my neck that came with a cord and hooked to my Sanzibelt slacks, okay? And I'm going back and forth across the platform, and little did I know, but my wife was out in the audience praying, Lord God, keep that man humble. She didn't tell me that for 10 years. But as I'm going back and forth across the platform, I stepped on the cord and my pants went boom right down to my ankles. Now that's funny for you. The pastor was sitting on the front row. The funniest part was this. It was right after Valentine's. And Darlene had handmade me a pair of boxer underwear with little hearts and teddy bears on it that said, I love you. I couldn't get my pants back up because I was still standing on the cord and didn't know it. The pastor was rolling on the floor, and I kept saying, it's not that funny. I, I decided I've preached enough, I've done enough, I've dropped my pants in front of, you know, 700 people, and, and the kids in the audience were just dying. And, and uh, I closed the service, this is true, and 29 people came to Christ that night, uh, laughing all the way. 
Now, was that funny? I told you I was going to tell you a funny story. Um, brokenness. That began a life that any pride that I have was going to be washed away or broken out of my soul. And you see, God, God's interested in our souls, guys. Jesus didn't die just so you could go to heaven. He died so your soul could be in his hand. And in his hand, he can do with your soul what he wants to do. Uh, many of you in this room have suffered loss. You've lost people in your life, loved ones, some husbands, some wives have gone on to be with the Lord. And there is no grief like that kind of broken grief when there's a loss. When a church has a prominent member of the church die and, and pass on to heaven, there, there's a loss in that church. That gap is still there. And, and I think it's still there even to these days. But that's part of the brokenness that life offers to us. And if, our ha if we're in the hands of the Lord, He can do with us what He wants. And, and He will take you and make you be His out of brokenness. Um, I uh, had the honor and privilege of being the first non-Mennonite preacher to visit the Chaco in northern Paraguay. I was invited there by a chiropractor from Iowa who was a missionary to the, the Mennonites in, in the Chaco. And I was the first ever non-Mennonite to preach in their churches. Uh, the first night it, I was there, by the way, it, that day it was 114 degrees. And I had to wear a coat and tie. I was sweltering. And here we are, we're meeting in the back room with the elders, and they were praying for the meeting. And, and I, I didn't think anybody was in the meeting. There wasn't a sound coming from the room. And I said to one of the elders, uh, when are we starting this meeting? He said, well, it's already started. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, look out there. And I opened the door, and I looked out, and all the women were on the left side. All the men were on the right side. It was a Mennonite tradition, I guess. And there wasn't a peep, not a sound coming from that full, packed-out church. And I, I, was, I was taken back by that. How could those people be that quiet? Do you, do you know how long it took Pastor to get you guys to settle down from talking to each other? I, I sat here and looked at my watch, and it was almost five minutes. And, and my thought was, tell them they need to spend more time with each other during the week. Don't, don't wait just till Sunday and you catch up. Catch up during the week. Um, that, that's amazing. But anyway, while I was there, one of the people in the main Mennonite church, and, and by the way, I did end up preaching in that main Mennonite church, and they, they sat mixed in that large church. It was close to 1,000 people. And I, the title of my message is, Can Religion Save You? Answer that question in your own heart. Can religion save you? And you see, you didn't buy into religion. 
You were supposed to have bought into relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You didn't buy into religion. And I preached that message. And that morning in that church, the main Mennonite church in the Chaco, we, I had 300 people gave their lives to Christ. And almost all of them had given their lives to religion but had no relationship with Jesus Christ. But one of the leaders in that main church came up to me and he said, would you be willing to come out to my ranch, my cattle ranch? He said, I have the only cattle ranch in the Chaco that has water year-round. He said, I have a spring-fed lake on my property, and even in the middle of drought, it keeps producing water. And he said, so I let all the farmers and the cattlemen bring their animals to get water and to drink water from my spring-fed lake. And he said, I've invited all of the farmers and all of the police from the northern Chaco to come and hear you give your story. I said, oh, I'd love to do that. So it took us like 20 minutes to ride out to his place. And when I got there, he was telling me his cattle ranch was 100,000 hectares. Anybody know what a hectare is? Two and a half acres. 100,000 hectares. 250,000 acres. Now, y'all know what acres are, right? Okay. So we got there, and he said, uh, I, I've made arrangements for a group of us before we have the picnic and you share to ride out. I want you to see this spring-fed lake. And I said, oh, what are we riding in? He said, no, we're not riding in anything. We're riding on something. And I said, what? <laughs> Duh. He said, uh, a horse. And I looked at him and I said, I don't think so. He said, what do you mean? I said, 10 years ago, I rode a horse. The guy that saddled the horse forgot to cinch the saddle. When I got on that horse and he moved, the saddle went underneath with me, under the horse. And he said, I said, it was an absolute miracle that horse didn't trample me. And he said, well, Bill, I have hand-picked a horse for you. I have put the saddle on this horse myself. It is on, and we have different saddles here in Paraguay. You'll be very, very comfortable. And in my mind, I was going, oh, sure. That's what you say. So he brought this horse over. It was beautiful. It was a gorgeous horse. And they helped me get up on the horse, okay? And he said, now you take the reins of the horse. Now, before I took the reins, I know this happened. You can, I'll, I'll guarantee it. The horse turned around and looked at me and whinnied. And I had discernment what he said. Fresh meat. I went, oh, this is not going to be fun for Bill Davis. But I got to tell you, I took those reins and did what he said. I gently pulled back on the reins, and that horse's head turned straight out, and a shudder went through that horse. And don't ask me how I knew it, 
but I knew I was in charge of that horse that day. And that horse would do only what I required of him to do. And I took off riding with the other riders. And he said to me, before we took off, he said, I want you to watch something. You hold those reins. Don't pull them hard. Just gently hold them. And of course, the shutter went through the horse. And he rode his horses. And he had the Indians riding with him, the ones that break their horses. And he said, we break our horses not to the other horses. We break our horses only to the rider. And he looked at the other riders, and he said, now, and they all kicked their horses. They all took off running. My horse didn't even flinch an ear. He wasn't going anywhere until I released him to go. It was one of the most pleasant rides I've ever had in my life. And as I hear him saying, we break our horses only to the rider, I felt like I heard the Holy Spirit say, that's why you need to be broken. So you only do what Jesus wants you to do. You will not do what Jesus wants you to do out of your own selfishness or out of your own arrogance. You'll only be able to do what God wants you to do out of brokenness. And, and I, if I took a survey here this morning, I know what the survey would be. How many of you have sensed brokenness in your life? Just think about it for a minute. How many of you have had things in your life go differently than you expected? None of the back row people are responding. Are y'all awake? Somebody raise your hand and say, life didn't go the way I expected. Wave at me. Fake me out. Do something. God, I'm a Baptist. I need some response. I, I don't know if you like me or hate me. And it doesn't matter, but respond somehow. Burp out loud. I don't care what you do. Just somehow respond. You do? Yeah. I, I'm not going to crack a whip, but I'm, I'm almost begging you, please. Life is difficult at best. And then you get married. Don't respond if your wife's here. Then you get married. And, and you learn, you've got two people you've got to make happy now, you and her. And, and boy, it's not easy. And then, oh my goodness, then you have children. Oh. And then they become teenagers. We have a guy in Tampa, this true story. He had a truck with a gun rack in it. But he had a sign in the back of his window, and it said this, if you don't know the answer to a question, ask my teenage daughter. She knows everything. How many of you can relate to that sign? Yeah. Ask my, ask my teenager. They know it all. And, and then you start to grow up, and you realize, well, may, maybe I don't know it all. And, and, you know, after my dad passed away, I realized... That guy had a little wisdom in him. 
and, and he tried to impart that into me, and I fought and resisted it out of my own arrogance and out of my own self-centeredness. And then after he was gone, I realized he, he had something to give. He had something of life to give, and, and I missed out on it. But one day I was in my living room, and I was listening to worship music on my own, and I, I heard the Lord say, your father failed you, didn't he? And I said, yes, he did. He said, I am your father. I will never fail you. And he has never failed me once. And, and let me say to you, babies don't bother me at all. I'm kidding. Babies don't bother me a bit. But because I used to be one. <laughs> 73 years ago, I was a one-year-old. You understand what I'm saying? So were you. Not 73 years ago, but you used to be little. Look at you, all grown up and smart now. Some of you are smart Alex, but you're smart. Now think about this. What is it God wants out of us? He wants us to yield to Him. You are not a very good God. You do not make a good God. Stop trying to be one. Now, I'm going to ask another question, and I, I really hope I get a response. How many of you in this room have an issue with control? Come on, wave at me. And the rest of you liars, keep your hand down, but I'm telling you, I know from whence I come, we all have control problems. We don't like anyone else to be in charge. We want to be in charge. And, and some of us are large and in charge. Uh, I, I won't mention you, Pastor, okay? But do you, do you understand? Life does not always let you be in charge. Regardless if you want to be in charge. If you have a need to be in charge, that's what has to be broken. A broken and contrite spirit is a delight to the Lord. What Darlene read today from that Russian captain, that came out of a broken and contrite spirit. Everything's stripped away, but he's rejoicing in his Lord. Everything that could be taken from him, taken, but he's rejoicing in the Lord. Is it any wonder that we choose, Darlene and I, to pray for the martyrs? And, and we have a ministry that we help with in Pakistan. And the young lady that we work with voluntarily teaches children every day without pay. And she teaches one group of children that's called the brick kiln children. They're indentured slaves. Their parents are slaves to make bricks just like Israel did in Egypt. Are you with me? And the little kids from the age of two on have to go out and make bricks just like their parents. 
They, they're not allowed to go to school. They very rarely have enough food to eat. They don't have warm clothing in the winter. They don't have cool clothing in the summer. And so we raise funds and we send money into Pakistan for this young lady to keep teaching those children. She teaches the village children in Lahore and she teaches the brick kiln children every day, five days a week. Teaches them how to read and write. And she has to do it in the middle of them making bricks. And, and we here in America get upset if the fan stops blowing. I'm not trying to heap guilt on you. I'm just trying to say there might just be some areas of your life that needs to be broken. I, I'm, I'm up here today being broken. I'm not saying I'm all the way there, but I'm being broken. And out of that brokenness, I want the fragrance of Jesus to come up out of my heart, my spirit, so that when people are around me, they don't just smell my cologne that I'm wearing. They smell the fragrance of the real Jesus. The night I came to Christ, many of you have heard my story, many of you haven't. I was on my way to commit suicide. I was diagnosed that day with a bleeding ulcer. I was told by the doctor that if I didn't have surgery, I'd be dead in three days. I chose not to have the surgery because I didn't have anything to live for. And I had gone and gotten $1,000 worth of heroin from my dealer. I had the outfit to shoot it up in my veins. I figured it would take three hot shots. And if you've never been around heroin, you don't know what a hot shot is. That's a full syringe of heroin. I figured it would take me three to kill myself. I didn't have a wife. I didn't have kids. I didn't have anything. Barely had family that could tolerate me. I'd been in prison four and a half years for bank robbery and thievery. I was a mess. And I was driving in my car to my parents' apartment to shoot the drugs up in my vein in my car outside of their home, and I came by an old biker beer bar that used to be a place I would go and drink beer with bikers. Only a church in Lakeland, First Assembly God Church, had bought that building and converted it to a Christian coffee house. And the only night they ever had a bonfire was that night. The sovereign God set it all up knowing I was going to drive by that building on my way to commit suicide. And out of my human brokenness, I heard their singing. And I pulled over and I started listening to them sing the song Hallelujah. And let me, let me say something to you. Your worship was excellent this morning. It would draw you into the very presence of God. That's the essence of worship, guys. God's not looking for worship. He's looking for worshipers. That's what he told the woman at the well. That my God is looking for worshipers. And that night, I stopped. I got out of my car, leaned up against the hood of my car, and listened to him share 
And this 18-year-old kid said, Jesus is here to set people free. And I went, oh, it's a church. And I turned around to go get in my car when the director of that coffee house quoted Joel 2.28, in the last days I'm going to pour out of my spirit on all flesh. He said, it doesn't matter what your flesh has done. You could be a thief, a drug addict, an alcoholic, an ex-convict, a bank robber. I qualified for everything. And he said, ask one of us to pray for you. And that kid that got up and spoke about Jesus was there, came by, and I said, pray for me, 18 years old. Started praying the most beautiful, eloquent prayer. And all of a sudden, he stopped praying in English, and he started praying in a foreign language. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm in an Arabic church. I did not know what he was doing. I had never heard of what he was doing. It was the biblical speaking in tongues, but I didn't know. I'd never heard of it. I'd barely heard about salvation, much less anything added to that salvation. And let me say, there's a place for all of us to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, dunked in the depths of the Holy Spirit of God. And that night, I did something that I have never regretted. I repented of my sins. And guess what God did 2,000 years ago? He died so I could be forgiven for all the stupidity and all the selfishness and all the self-centeredness of my life. And then he set me on a track. And I met Darlene. I met her on a Friday and asked her to marry me Saturday. I don't recommend that. People ask me all the time, how long have you been married? And my response is, happily? I've been happily married 38 years, but I've been married 48 years. The first 10 years were very difficult. But she stuck with it. And she prayed me through. And she brought me into the place where God could use me. And, and that's up to you to figure out, is God still using me? But I'm here to tell you, the Holy Spirit is looking for vessels that will be wholly His. He's searching, the Scripture says, throughout the whole earth. He's looking, and He's looking to find those who will be completely His. Totally. Every part of you. Spirit, soul, and body. And there's a clarion call coming out right now. See, what's a clarion call? It's a trumpet sound. You say, well, we're waiting for Jesus to blow the trumpet so that when he comes back. I'm telling you, there's a trumpet sound now. And the trumpet is sounding, get ready, I'm about to do something. What's he about to do? He's about to pour out miracles and healing and deliverance and freedom. In the midst of all this garbage that we have going on in the United States, he's going to save America. Come on. Somebody say amen. Does America need saving? Come on. He's going to save Esterville. 
Dolliver. He's going to do it. Not me. Not you. He's going to do it. And he's going to do it with people who are holy. His. Broken. And contrite. And in the hands of a wonderful, loving God. And does he want to use you? Yeah, he doesn't want to abuse you. He wants to use you. With God, when he uses you, it's not abuse. People abuse you. God doesn't. He will never abuse you. He only looks for volunteers. My Bible says this, in the day of the Lord, there's coming a time when God will have volunteers. He'll have volunteers that are clay in the hands of the finest potter ever. And if you've ever seen a potter's wheel and somebody working clay on a potter's wheel, that thing spins really fast. And life spins sometimes. But when things are spinning and it looks like, man, this is, this is going to be tougher than I expected. Trust me, you are clay in the hands of the potter. Don't say to the potter, I'll take care of myself. Say to the potter, I'm putty in your hands, God. Mold me and shape me into what you want. I'm yours, Lord. I'm yours. Make me be what you want me to be. And, and all I want to do this morning in closing, and don't get too excited, I close five times. But this morning I'm going to close. And here's what I want to say. Are there any volunteers in the room? Two, three, four, five. Well, wait, there's more. There's more. I'm after that section that hadn't responded well. You say, which section? I'm coming at you right now. Two, four, six, eight, ten, eleven of you. Do you want to volunteer? So most of you probably were in the military and say, well, don't volunteer for nothing. Volunteer for the kingdom. King Jesus is on his way. He's here this morning, by the way. And he's looking for those that will respond and say, I'm willing. I am willing to do what you want. Here, here's the problem. Most of you have been around the church long enough to know that if a speaker gets up and says he's looking for volunteers, you're probably thinking he's going to ask you to go to Africa. I'm, I'm not asking you to go to Africa. I'm asking you to go to Esterville. Go to Dolliver. Go to Sherburne. Go to your backyard and talk to your neighbor. Well, I don't even know him. Go to your backyard and talk to your neighbor. Get to know them. Somebody sick in your neighborhood, take them a meal. Go and pray for them. Knock on their door. Is it possible? Would you allow me to pray for you? Volunteer.
I, I live with one of the greatest volunteers you could ever imagine, Darlene. I, I've never seen anybody quite like her. We had a couple that lived two doors down from us. And we found out that the husband was sick and he had just come home from the hospital. And Darlene went and cooked him a meal. And they had no children. And my son, my oldest son, Seth, had accidentally scraped his truck. Brand new truck. Scraped a scrape like, like it had been keyed, but it wasn't. And Seth came over and said, Dad, I accidentally scraped our neighbor's truck. And I went, oh, no. This is going to cost an arm and a leg. Of course, I went first to the wallet. And Seth said, will you go with me, Dad? I want to go apologize. And Darlene had just taken them this meal. And my son, 10 years old, how old are you, son? He was about your age. Went down and knocked on the neighbor's door and said, Sir, I accidentally ran into your truck while I was on my bicycle, and I scraped a scrape in your truck. And he looked at Seth, and he looked at me, and he said, Nobody that I know would apologize for doing something like that, much less a 10-year-old. And Seth had a little piggy jar with pennies in it. And he handed it up to him. He said, I, I, I want to pay for, to have that fixed. The next day, that couple came to our house and said, would you pray for us? We want to meet the Jesus that you serve. You've shown us the real Jesus. Let me just say to you, the real Jesus takes a broken vessel and uses it for his glory. It doesn't necessarily mean you've got to go to Africa or used to be China. Come on, guys. I'm not saying you're volunteering for that. Who knows? Maybe. I don't know. But be a missionary where you live. We had a sign in our church that hung over the back door. As you walked out the back door, you had to read it, and it says, you are now entering the mission field. You don't have to go to Africa to be a missionary. Be a missionary in your neighborhood. You say, Bill, I live four miles from my neighbor. How did you get here this morning? Did you walk or drive? Drive over there and take them a meal. Well, they're grumpy. I wonder why they're grumpy. We don't know. It's time for volunteers. If you're willing to volunteer, stand up, please. Stand up. Pastor, I want you to look around. Even that row back there stood up. I'm, I'm just blessed. I'm picking on you guys. I hope you can forgive me. I'm. I'm making light, but this is what God's looking for. He's looking for clay vessels 
to mold and shape. And who knows, you may be the poor spout that pours the love of God on someone. The day is coming when God wants to use us and cause us to be the vessels we were called to be. Now, I asked Pastor to look out. And, and do you have somebody writing down names? I'm kidding. Name for volunteers. Okay, Mark, write it all down. <laughs> look around. Look at your person next to you and say, you volunteer, you. All right, I'm getting you out of here before noon. The pastor's not. Thank you for letting me come and share once again. Remember what Elizabeth Elliot said. If my life is broken when given to Jesus, it may be because pieces will feed a multitude when one single loaf would feed only a little boy. God doesn't always call the qualified. He qualifies the called. God bless you. Give Bill a hand. Bill is talking about, um, of course, David being broken, King David. And, of course, many of us know that he fell into sin, and uh, then he was called out for that sin, right? And so we see in Psalm 51, verse 10, and it's a famous, famous song that we used to sing, Create in me a clean heart. He was called out for sin, and, and, and the prophet Nathan spoke to him and, and, and exposed what he had done. And he was broken before the Lord, right? So he said, create in me a clean heart, O Lord, and renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart, O Lord, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, O Lord. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and renew a right spirit within me. I mean, no, we need to be broken. Amen. Man, what a good word. Bill, thank you so much for sharing that word. Before you leave this morning, let me pray over you. Lord, I pray over those who are here this morning, over those who are watching online. Lord, I pray that you would bless them, that you would keep them. Lord, that you would cause your face to shine down upon them, that you would break them in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you and praise you for it, that you would give them rest. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.